Welcome to Sports, Bets, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husso and me, Sean Hannon. Welcome to episode 54 of Sports, Clicks, and Politics. One away from the double nickel. Episode 54. Mr. Husong, thank you for joining us. How was your weekend? It was wonderful. Anything exciting? Um, it's yeah. Father's Day. Yeah, it was Father's Day. It was a very relaxing weekend. Uh, had, a, had a good time. Nothing nothing crazy. Just uh, just a, a good weekend. How I'm about a, you? I'm a big fan of uneventful, so uneventful is always good. Yeah, so I got to watch a little golf. Nice. Always on uh, Father's Day. Well, I guess not always, but uh, back to the norm on Father's Day. There get to watch go. a little U.S. Open. Yeah. I like it. So we got a bunch of news stories today. Nothing really... Uh, I got a bunch of stuff that I want to kind of run down with you, but no real main thing here. We're going to end with our boy Jeff Epstein, but uh, we got a bunch of stuff here to, to, to chomp into. Um, let's start with the golf here, I guess. Yeah. Uh, we talked about our boy uh, John Rahm uh, two weeks ago, I think it was, in the yep. Memorial Tournament. He uh, was forced to withdraw leading the after three rounds, leading by six strokes, and uh, an asymptomatic case of COVID kept him away from... Uh, I'm guessing winning the memorial, um, but he uh, came through uh, two weeks later, healthy as can be, and here we are, U.S. Open champion John Rahm. I mean, first off, thank God on his speedy recovery. That was, uh, you know, surprising we were, and unexpected. We were all uh, waiting uh, with bated, bated breath, breath, waiting to, for him to uh, recover here. Yeah, so. thank God that he uh, that he somehow, some way, managed. To get through it, um, and I listen. I'm happy for him because what happened at the Memorial was just wrong. Yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm actually happy he was able to come back at this major. He's been playing incredible golf of late, and it's fun to watch. Um, I guess I was cheering for him mostly out of that, um, and then obviously Phil Mickelson is my hashtag. Boy. Me too. I was rooting for him as well. So yeah. um, you know, I, I kind of like Ram because people don't like him because people don't like golfers who get fiery. So I like it him because of that. It is a gentleman's game. Whatever. So, uh, you know, he's, what is he, 25 years old? I mean, let the dude be a 25-year-old, I guess. Uh, you know, soaked up a $2.25 million with the uh, first major there for him. So kind of offsets the loss of the $1.6 million he got from Memorial, but it yeah. wouldn't be better to have $3.8 million, I feel like. I mean, obviously I work in finance, so I this is a little complicated and high level, but typically having more money is... More desired than having less money. That's just a general principle. But you know what? To quote 90s philosophers, sometimes more money, more problems. Yeah. So maybe they just saved him from himself. Yeah. Like I said, I'm glad to see. I mean, I don't think this is going to be his first major. He's uh, so good and so young and wants to seem, seemingly wants to win everything. So um, he played well, uh, beat out Louis Oosthuizen. He was on my DraftKings team, won me a little bit of money, had uh, Louis Oosthuizen and... Uh, Matt Wolf and Kepka on a team that kind of got me okay. Yeah. Re- reclaimed my money. Nothing great. But um, it was a fun tournament, and the U.S. Open is always a fun tournament. It's fun to uh, have the winner play well down the stretch. I think he had birdies on 17 and 18 to win by a stroke, so that's always good. I think Ustazen and bogeyed 17 and then birdied 18, therefore giving the uh, one-stroke lead to uh, John Rahm. So a little bit of sports. Uh, I, you know, I, I root for John Rahm in general. I'm glad he won uh, for all the things that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Same. Sticking in the sports here a little bit, um, we haven't really talked about this at all, 
uh, only because I know you're not a fan, but the NBA Conference Finals are upon us here. Uh, we have one game in on the Western Conference. Uh, Phoenix is leading uh, the Clippers one game to none, and we have the Eastern Conference Finals going to start maybe even early as today. I can't remember now. Maybe it's tomorrow, but the Bucks and the Hawks. The Hawks kind of a little bit of a surprising team. Yeah, uh, the Hawks uh, beat up on the uh, well, beat won a game seven against the Sixers, and the Bucks won a game seven against the, I guess, uh, Kyrie Irvingless banged up Jeff or uh, uh, Harden and uh, Kevin Durant uh, Brooklyn Nets team. But great, two great series, two game sevens. Uh, now we got an Eastern Conference Final, Western Conference Final matchups. I think I'm rooting for Chris Paul. I, oh, and I don't know if you know, real quick, sorry before I get you go, okay. Chris Paul and Kawhi Leonard both missed game one. Uh, Kawhi's got a bum knee, I think, for a couple games yeah, yeah, here, but Paul is under the COVID out. restrictions, so he basically was forced to set out of this game. Wasn't wasn't he vaccinated? I don't even know. I read that Does it really matter? I mean, obviously the answer to that is no if you're following any type of science, but if you're following hysteria, then even then it should matter? I guess. I, I mean, the NBA has handled this so wrong from the beginning. I mean, th- th- we talked about their their season was basically teetering on the brink early on because basically they were having a bunch of asymptomatic cases, quote-unquote right. cases, that were causing teams to basically shut down their practices, shut down their games, postpone games, reschedule games, isolate teams from other teams. Like, it was basically they were they were all in on, on the lockdowns, and it basically almost cost them their season. I'm glad they got to this point here where we have uh, four teams left, but it's still kind of wearing its ugly head with, with Chris Paul not being able to play. And he's another guy who I kind of root for just because he's never won a title. I think he's one of the best ever, and uh, this will kind of give some validation to his career a little bit. But I NBA agree. Finals. I agree with that 100%. I love watching Chris Paul play basketball, actually. I, I really enjoy his style of play. I, I've enjoyed it for a, a long time. Um I guess you you hit the nail on the head, though. The NBA just finds a way to screw everything up, and it's amazing to watch. And you've seen it play out. I get it. They're making all this money and everything else, but their viewership is horrendous. Nobody's tuning in anymore. They have turned off at least half of the country from ever wanting to watch basketball. I... I'm not. I don't count myself in that crowd because I I wasn't watching NBA basketball before they got full woke. I, I just it wasn't my thing. I I didn't really care that much. I'm much more into football and baseball than I was into basketball at this point in my life. But it's still fun to tune in every now and then. My issue with it now is you, you just it, it's too much. I, I, like I don't I don't care enough. I can't get invested enough. The guys are unbelievably talented, unbelievably skilled. The occasional game that I watch, I am blown away at how good they are at the sport. But it's just so hard to care now. I have no vested interest in any team. I don't have a team that I cheer for, and I think that is almost the way the NBA has designed it is it's about the individual player, not about the team. And as a result, people follow individual players, and I just I, I feel like that was a mistake from the get-go to focus that much on players because ultimately – Players retire? And they change, and players fall out of favor with, with large swaths of people. I mean, look, when you had Michael Jordan, that strategy actually made total sense because Michael Jordan was an amazing talent who kept his private life private and was infamous for saying Republicans buy sneakers too. And I I get that people want their athletes to come out and take a stand, but the problem is eventually it brings out your hypocrisy because if you're willing to speak out on one thing, it shows your priorities versus something else. So I think when you got that with LeBron, who is not the same way, and he is much more vocal about whatever cause du jour is of importance to him, 
And you've got the situation where the NBA is so reliant on Chinese money coming in that it's they're overly leveraged because their viewership in, in America is so down that they are very reliant on China. So then you've got, like, I guess people like myself who are casual fans at best, I'm kind of looking at it like, all right, you can point out every atrocity, injustice, or minor insult on our soil and yet somebody points out that China's trying to take over Hong Kong or, or Taiwan, and you all of a sudden are of this strong opinion on their ignorance and how they don't know what they're talking about. Like, Yeah, there's yikes. definitely a conflict of interest with what's going on in China and the NBA. And, and not just them, but that's clearly something that has been ever since the Daryl Morey quote, you know, what was it, two years ago? Yeah. Um, maybe it was last year. I can't remember exactly now. But whenever he basically made that quote talking about, you know, criticizing China's he stood um, with the pro democracy protesters in Hong Kong. Yeah, it's been it's been uh, the 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 spotlight has been on the NBA and its relationship with China ever since then. And you know, obviously, we have a whole bunch of other layers of China news that <laughs> seem to factor into things now. But I guess um, that's it. And nothing LeBron says is necessarily wrong on his take on American politics or or interdynamics of how things are here. And there's certainly flaws. But when you say that, and then you're willing to turn a blind eye to actual concentration camps existing in China and you you have no comment on that it's all right so you're just self-serving it's not that you actually care it's that you care about what's going to help you sell more sneakers all right cool you are who you are but forgive the average fan if they're turned off like anybody who's not super into basketball is going to watch that look at the inconsistency and kind of go now you're full of it well like I said hopefully hopefully we got we got uh, maybe outside of the Clippers the other three teams are kind of New blood to the finals here. I mean, the Bucks oh, have kind of exciting. been on the on the on the merge here, on the on the the, the cusp of kind of getting there. And uh, Giannis has played great. Like I said, the, the Hawks kind of have a revamped team that they kind of rebuilt this year. Um, you know, I don't know if you were familiar with the whole crazy uh, the Luka Doncic versus uh, uh, Trey Young. So they were traded for each other at the at the trade oh, at, on the draft day. They were traded for each other. So there's always been this comparison between Doncic and. Uh, Trey Young and uh, Trey Young is in the NBA conference finals here, so one uh, series away from uh, first NBA finals, which would kind of beat him to Luca. I mean, I'm a huge Luca fan, but it's interesting uh, dynamic between those two players. So, By the um, way, there's a local connection. Yeah, Kevin Herter, Herter from Atlanta. Okay, I don't know how to say his last name. Herter, yeah, Herter, cool, huge NBA guy over here. He's a he's a pretty good player, but yeah. So he was the he's a ginger game seven star, which is obviously why I like him because that's all the best people are. Um. Apparently, he was the one who um, could have been drafted by Syracuse, or not drafted, was, was Syracuse was trying to recruit him, but when they lost scholarships uh, for the Jim Beheim punishment, he was one of the guys that didn't end up at yeah. SU well, as a result of that. So he ended up going to uh, Maryland? That sounds right. I think he went but to I Maryland. I really remember, yeah. Yeah, so and then he, uh, yeah. He, he, he's he's done good for himself. I mean, he's uh, he's more than a role player there. He, he's pretty good. I like, I mean, you know, I... I always factor in my uh, DraftKings strategies, and he's always been there because he shoots a lot of three pointers. So, but he's a good player. Like I said, I, I he's somebody I can root for. Um, I, I kind of want to root for the Hawks, but I think I'm just going to root for Chris Paul. I'm definitely just cheering for Chris Paul for whatever that matters yeah. for the four minutes that I will spend thinking about the NBA over the next two weeks. Well. I'll, I'll make sure I increase your four minutes. Thank you. By next week, so I appreciate it. Let's talk about somebody you probably know a little bit more familiar with. Your boy Cole Beasley. <laughs> he's now this one. You <laughs> saved my boy a lot. This one, he's my boy now. He's he might be my boy too. He might be my favorite player in the NFL. Let me uh, read a little quote from the AP here. Uh, 
Buffalo Bills receiver Cole Beasley does not plan to get vaccinated against COVID-19 and insists he will not follow rules jointly adopted by the NFL and the NFL Players Association requiring unvaccinated players to stay clear of people. So this is kind of came out on uh, Twitter. I kind of paid attention a little bit to it. Um, It was not well received or I mean, it was well received by me and other people. But I mean, it was there was a lot of pushback on his uh, assertion there, too. Um, He basically said, I'm going to do what I want to do. I respect that. Like I said, I, you know, we've talked about the the vaccine and whether or not healthy young professional athletes should get the vaccine is probably not at the top of the list here. So I don't find any problem with it at all. I'm glad that he's doing what he wants to do, as I feel like I would want most people to do in their lives. Um, and he basically said, I'm, 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 I'd risk having to retire than get the vaccine. I respect. I, I just, you and I have talked about this. If you want the vaccine, God bless you. It's the f- coercion of getting other people to get the vaccine. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's weird. It's actually creepy. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Like, what are we doing? And you've got a union over here that agreed to all of this. I mean... Would it have been way too much to ask the NFLPA to at least say, well, wait, 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 let's at least offer people antibody tests and T-cell tests if they don't want to get the vaccine. And if they can show that they have one of those, we could treat them the same as vaccinated people. Instead, they have to get tested every single day, avoid contact with family members during the season. They're not allowed at team meetings. They have to sit at separate tables in the team cafeteria. Coaches who don't get vaccinated are not even allowed in the cafeteria or they have to get their meals to go. Like, this is nuts. Yeah, let me read this a little bit. So unvac- this is different from the vaccinated players. Unvaccinated players will be required to test it for COVID-19 daily, must wear masks in team facilities and during travel. <laughs> they will also not be allowed to use the sauna or the steam rooms, are subject to weight room capacity limits, and may not leave the team hotel to eat or interact with anyone outside the team traveling party during travel. What? <laughs> I'm, I understand why he's, you know, not going to do all that stuff. It seems ridiculous. It's it's and it's just so unfounded on anything resembling science. All right, like we've gone over the mass thing ad nauseum. It just there's no there's no impact, there's no effect at all. Nothing that's Zero. meaningful. So, all right, cool. Now he's got to isolate. He can't see family. Like he's not allowed to have visitors at his hotel. So if he's in a town where his fully vaccinated cousin is there, and he can't be like, "Hey, well, come hang out at the hotel for a little bit. It'd be great to see you." No, that's too dangerous. Okay. Yeah. Like, this is nuts. So good for Cole Beasley for just standing up and saying, like, no, I'm not doing this. Yeah, and he's basically saying he, there's a bunch of, you know, he's a 10-year vet of the of the league, and, you know, I wouldn't call him a superstar by any means, but, you know, people know who he is, and, you know, I think he was a maybe even an all-pro last year. Yeah, he's been an all-pro in the Yeah, bat. so, I mean, he had a, he, you know, he's a good player, um, but his point is that some of these younger players who don't have the – ability to stand up and push back against the NFLPA or the NFL or the media or any of these uh, people who are pushing back against him now, he feels he has in a position to do that. And I commend him for that as well, because I think he's right. There's probably a lot of players who feel the same way he does, but don't have the chops to kind of push back. And, you know, maybe they would just get cut, right? So like it's a, the NFL is uh, a, a not a fair, the contracts are not fair, so I could see why somebody pushing back against the NFLPA and the NFL would is taking their, their, their career in their hands, and I think he's doing it. Um, I can't imagine that the NFL goes forward and and does all this and, and you know, makes him retire or makes him, uh, you know, act. So in all these other players too, like I'm assuming he's not going to be the only one. I'm glad that somebody has come out first. Um, that usually makes it easier for the next one. So I don't know. This is something I want to kind of pay attention to because I feel like some of these, these, 
pro sports leagues, especially the Players Association, which should be standing out for the players, uh, is really looking out for outside interests. Yeah, I again, I'm, I keep hearing the response of like, well, the union's not there to protect you from being a dumbass. Well, actually, yes, it is. That's that's actually the union's job is to protect the employees, even if they were being a dumbass. And look, here's the reality. He might just be a rich dude throwing a temper tantrum. He might not know any of the science behind this. He, he really might not. But everything he's saying is fully supported by science. Like He is not a threat to other people. Sorry. A 33-year-old professional athlete is in perfectly good health. And asymptomatic, pre-symptomatic spread combined, 0.3 to 0.7% of all cases of spread. Uh, what is the risk? This is insane. And if you think it is a risk, why aren't we doing antibody testing? Why aren't we doing T-cell immunity testing? There are so many reasonable steps to take here that it's nuts that we're not. How about prophylactically treatment with ivermectin? How about just, just throwing that out there? Combination of that with vitamin D supplements. What a, what a shocking world this would be if we all did that. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get into that later, but I, this is mind-boggling to me that yeah. you, you can look at this guy and how confident the people that are the most ignorant about it are is really remarkable. Like how self-assured these people coming after him about how selfish and dangerous and ignorant he is, and then they cite data that you just look at and you're going, you're a moron. Yeah. Like you've scratched to the tippy top. Like somebody put it up on Twitter of like, as a 30 to 40-year-old male, he has a 16.4% chance because 16.4% of people that age are the ones who got virus, got the virus. Like, holy crap, that's not how it works at all. Like, what are you doing? And, and you want to completely ignore the risk of the vaccine. Well, it's safe. Yeah, again, safe overall means the benefits, the potential benefits outweigh the risk. It's not that there's no risk. We are seeing myocarditis in young, healthy men at an alarming rate. Doesn't mean the vaccine's causing it, but it's a hell of a coincidence. And we don't know who's getting it and why. Well, that's something we should probably want to know. Yeah. Well, if you actually want to know. If you want to know. And that's the problem is people don't want to know. I, Hank Aaron dying of natural causes two weeks after getting the vaccine is weird that we're not talking about it. Marvin Hagler. Marvin, I don't know who that is. Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Oh, geez. Yeah. Actually, his... Uh, Opponent Tommy Hearns, if you remember him back in the day, they were the uh, two middleweight, I think, uh, people. Yeah, came out and said he's, re you know, Marvin is recovering from a reaction to the vaccine, and then all hell broke loose when that came out. So, and they kind of backed, walked that back a little bit, but still, it's it's not, it's not no risk, right? <laughs> there is a risk. We don't know what it is. We don't even understand the risk. Yes, it's probably minimal, but we don't know yet. And this is only after how long has the vaccine been available? Seven months. Six months and we're seeing this, yeah. there is no guarantee whatsoever that there's not long-term ramifications. You don't know that yet. Sorry, I get it. They've been developing this and working on this for all these years. It's still the first time it's been injected in large numbers of human beings. This is the first time we've ever done an mRNA vaccine like this in human beings. Yeah, we've, you know, only a couple hundred million doses. Holy crap. And of all the stupidity, why? And this is what you and I have talked about this at length of what is so unsettling is why are we treating people with antibodies or people with T-cell immunity as if they don't exist? Like, this is nuts. We're offering lottery tickets, free college, scratch-offs, free meals, free beer. For people to just get a shot. Uh, for a virus that's of no risk to them whatsoever. Like none. Zero. Almost it, zero. Literally, literally almost zero. Right. It's, it's, 
I, I worded it this way. It, the risk of Cole Beasley contracting and spreading COVID, particularly pre-symptomatically or asymptomatically, is so low that it's difficult to calculate. It is such a minuscule risk that to consider it is laughable if you're doing a genuine risk assessment on this situation. But it's not. It's fear, it's propaganda, and it's groupthink at this point. And that's all you got. And it's so disheartening. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, I, I didn't stop watching football when the, when the whole flag and the protests and the kneeling and all that happened because my attitude has always been live how you want to live, do what you want to do, I don't care. God bless you. If they really start, if this turns into a thing where they are actually going to cause force him into a retirement or not playing because he doesn't want to get the vaccine, I, that might be the the line for me where I just go, all right, I'm done. Yeah, because it's wrong. You you should. I get it that it's a private company and that they can force or whatever, and they have their own rules. I got it. Yeah, but you don't have to. You don't have to. Per, you don't have to engage. Exactly. I'm not telling you they're doing anything illegal, but I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop supporting them. I'm gonna stop giving them my money. And my viewership, if this is the stance they want to take. Maybe we should buy Cole Beasley jerseys. Does he I'm get in. A, do he, does he get a cut? I think they, they get a percentage, out. but I don't know. All right. Uh, if not, I'll buy it off Craigslist from some dude over in Japan. All right. So let's move away from sports into UFOs. Yeah. Sounds perfect segue. So we're supposed to get uh, the Pentagon report about UFOs this week. Uh, I don't know, maybe it was Marco Rubio who asked for one of these reports. It was like a Senate committee report. They said they had to, okay. they gave a date. So I think by the 25th, so sometime at the end of this week, um, we're supposed to get this. Now, some of this stuff was leaked a little bit to the New York Times, nothing really all that great, but um, the report isn't expected to say that it's aliens, but it's also expected not to say that it isn't aliens. So we got that going for us. We have both sides of that coin covered. That's um, I don't know. Like I said, I don't really don't know what to expect. I mean, obviously we've seen a lot of this, uh, the videos and, uh, you know, some of the, the I don't know if whistleblowers, the right thing, but these people who these former uh, government agent employees or whatever are coming out now, basically disclosing uh, information that has been, I guess, well known within the intelligence and military circles for at least a few years now. And uh, maybe we'll get some juice out of this. I don't know. I'm excited about the UFO thing. I don't, I'm not looking forward necessarily to this uh, report, but it just keeps it in the news. I think that the idea the Pentagon is going to come forward with full disclosure on anything is a fool's errand. I, like, it's so optimistic. But I'm excited about the report to see what they will admit. And please understand, whatever they will admit, there's way more that they're not coming out with, guys. That's that's the simple truth of it. And, uh, look. They may not know all of it either. I mean, I'm assuming they know more than they're going to give us out. But, I mean, who knows really what they know right. and what they don't know. I think if you look at it from let's draw a correlation here of, of what we're currently seeing our government do with, with regards to this COVID vaccine, when people started pointing out UFOs and interactions with aliens and having like genuine radiation burns and, and stuff that was very telling of actual aliens, the government went out and investigated it. And it's not that they were trying to find the truth. They actually had a plan. This was official um, policy of our government. They came out and just, undercut anybody's credibility who came out and said that they had had any interaction or saw it. It was a targeted approach to make these people so discredited that they could be laughed at and no critical thought had to be given to the issue. Kind of like we did to Trump. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sort of like, Seems the like they have a tactic in place that they uh, kind of pull out whenever they need to uh, discredit some play. Yeah. And so they just come out and it's a constant barrage. And if you're not inclined, if it already is confirming your biases, you are very unlikely to turn around and, and question it. And this is where I, we joke about it, but we find ourselves consistently in this unenviable position 
of defending Donald Trump. Like, I don't want to defend Donald Trump. I just want things to be true and balanced. If you're going to report something, report it. And back to the, the, the UFO thing, it's a, this is the playbook. They come out and discredit you and, and show all the evidence to show how you're a kook and you're crazy and they go after your character and they go after your integrity. And everybody else gets the message of like, whoa, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it. Like, imagine 20 years ago, you actually did have an interaction with an alien. Knowing how everybody who's ever said that was treated, would you have come forward? Uh, 20 years ago, probably not. Right. And that's, like, how they did it. And they controlled the narrative. They controlled the information. And this is the same government we're following now, folks. They didn't get more ethical with time. I'm sorry if that was your hope. They didn't get more transparent since the 1980s. That's, that's not the direction our government has gone. They're not looking to have less influence on our day-to-day lives at any level of government. That's, that's just not the trend. It's not the trend, excuse me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what they'll admit to, and I hope it's somewhat eye-opening for people to realize the lengths our government will go to to lie to you and to cover things up that they don't want you to know. So what do you think's more, this is kind of on subject, but uh, a, a curveball for you. Yes. What's more interesting, aliens are commandeering these or uh, navigating these uh, crafts, or it's remnants of World War II technology coming out of Antarctica. Why does it have to be one or the other? Uh, it doesn't. Uh, there could be some overlap there, but what if it's just human ingenuity and these, uh, you know, post-World War II, all these scientists from the uh, 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 Germany went down to Antarctica and maintained their science uh, uh, work and developed these anti-gravitational or magnetic driven uh spaceships spaceships or whatever crafts these are uh that we're seeing now i mean maybe they've been around for a while but maybe they've actually just been uh human ingenuity uh that was basically uh un or done with under our nose or outside of u.s uh site anyway down in Antarctica. i don't know it's i i haven't seen anything about that but i was just kind of complaining that in my head so there's always this weird uh antarctica uh there's a base in antarctica story that i want to try to fit in someplace so here it is I mean, are you going to tell the, the backstory of this? Oh, what? Are we supposed to go into the whole Admiral I don't Admiral think most Bird, people understand Operation what you just Paperclip, said. a bunch of bus stuff? Like, I'm not going to I know Operation Paperclip, yeah. that was real, and that was when we actually brought Nazi scientists into our own government to develop our own yeah, technologies. So, and so Admiral Byrd went down, basically, there was this was at the end of World War II. They went down to try to, a whole, I mean, a fleet, one of the biggest fleets ever organized in U.S. history went down to Antarctica and they left to retreat in less than a couple days, I think. So um, something's down there that kind of forced them out of there. I don't know that we know what it is. I'm just wondering if it's these little Tic Tac crafts that were zipping around. So I don't know. Just throwing it out there. It's weird. I, like that did happen and we don't talk about it. Like that's not taught in a history class. I've never I've never read that in any official education. But well, Admiral Byrd is like a well-renowned, you know, military official. Like he's credited with going to the South and North Pole. Like, this is not some kind of crackpot. This guy was in charge of some of the biggest fleets in the history of the, the world and basically was scared out of the Antarctica, was ran out of Antarctica by some enemy of some unknown origin. So By such an overwhelming force that he had no choice but to get out. That he was so... that I don't, I don't think they lost many ships. I think it was more they got down there, and there's two schools of thought. There was nothing to see. Okay. Or it was there was such an overwhelming technological or whatever man-powered force that it caused a retreat on a mission that was supposed to take weeks and or months, and they came back in a couple of days. Yeah. 
They like they they turned and ran. So what would cause this? And I can't imagine they went down there for nothing with the amount of the arsenal that they went down with. They, they had to have some pretty good data. You mean it wasn't just a victory tour no. to Antarctica? Because no. that's obviously a, a reasonable belief. No. no, they went down heavy. Like they were they were expecting a fight. They they don't they don't roll out like that for nothing. No. They roll out like that for when they're expecting a battle. And you don't roll out that type of officer unless you're expecting a battle that requires his skill. And him looking around and turning back after uh, like two or three days, like, eh, nope. Yeah. Well, I said, this is, I'm, only, I'm only mentioning this because some the, the alternative narrative to aliens is that it's just human ingenuity, right? It's either China or Russia or some other country that has... Or us. Or, right, or us that has passed us by as far as uh, advances in technology. So throwing that out there is a possibility. I mean, I guess if those are my options, I'd prefer aliens to China and Russia being that far ahead of us technologically speaking. Yeah. Especially if it was actually Germany who's that far technical, and they're basically just a rogue country now down there just killing it. So I don't know. Here's my question. How the hell would you keep that secret for so long? Like this whole thing, the Antarctica thing, obviously I think there's something in Antarctica, but all the countries are working together to suppress whatever it is that's there because there's different... Try to go to Antarctica just as a private citizen. It's very, very difficult. Yeah. Right. There's all the countries have claimed ownership of different sections, and there's all these natural uh, elements down there and, and minerals and everything else. If it was really a rogue nation, why are they still in hiding if their technology is this much better? Why are they, why are they allowing us even to have a, any minor presence there whatsoever? Maybe, I, maybe we're under their control. I'm, oh, damn it. All right. Let's so move. you're saying that it's let's like move, let's move away from <laughs> Wakanda <laughs> of the snow. Yeah, we've we've moved we've moved Thank way you, past the UFO part, but interesting nonetheless. Let's talk about China and another aspect of uh, their uh, world dominance um, or their strive to be world dominance. So they're I don't know maybe this is like the tenth, twelfth, fiftieth, hundredth time that China has cracked down on crypto. Um, so now they're doing it again, or it's in the news again. I'm not sure if they're actually doing anything again or if this is just uh, additional news. FUD coming on, but uh, China has, uh, again, tried to crack down on cryptocurrencies in their country, mining specifically, uh, which has caused a uh, a drop in price. So almost all cryptos, I see uh, Bitcoin right here is floating around 32.5, um, but everything went down, you know, Ethereum, Cardano, Dogecoin, all the cryptos are kind of down here. So um, I'm assuming this is in the coattails in the wake of in, of the China news, Um that being said, I mean, it's bouncing between 32 and 36 for a month here. So this doesn't seem all that catastrophic of a, of a dip anyway. And speaking of that, MicroStrategy, the uh, first company who held Bitcoin as part of their company portfolio, added another $489 million of Bitcoin. Uh, they bought the dip. Ben, did you buy the dip? Not yet. All right. Well, I will. It's still dipped. So it's still down. It's Ethereum, down. I'm a, I, like Ethereum sort of my go-to and my default and I'm kind of high got on below, Cardano. Got below, got below 2,000 there I know, for, that's, for a that's split usually second. My, that, it's down below 2,000 now. It's oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. That's usually my threshold. If I can get it for under two grand, I want more. Uh, it's not financial advice. For the love of God, I don't know anything about cryptocurrency. It's just fun to me. Um, yeah, it is fun. And Cardano, I think, is one that I like because it's their goal is to be a more reduced emission cryptocurrency, which is a noble enough goal. Uh, listen, the idea that China is really regulating this out of concern for the environment is so laughable that if you believe it, I just, I'm sorry. Yeah. You got to read a book. You got to, you got to shut off CNN. I mean, you, 
Now, did you see the thing on CNN where they basically came out and started talking about how I'm good allergic to CNN. They actually released something that was like a press release directly from the Communist Party of China talking about how the Chinese vaccine rollout was so good because of their overarching control and their one-party system and all the benefits that that espoused upon the people. And you're just reading it going... What do they got on Ted Turner? What? (laughs) What are you saying right now of like, yeah, they could coerce and force people into getting the vaccine because they only have one party and the people have no choice. And that's a benefit? Holy goodness. That's that's not a benefit for most of us. We wouldn't view it that way. Well, that's sad. I mean, I'm thankful that I don't watch CNN, but for all those who do, it's a little Stop. scary. It's scary. There's not many of you out there. I've seen the numbers. It's not a lot. Obviously, I don't watch CNN. Uh, it was it was came up on my Twitter feed, though, and all I could do was laugh. Like, yeah. you're just out here parroting Communist Party of China talking points about the benefits of communism from a particular brand of communism that runs concentration camps, makes people disappear in the middle of the night, and limited the number of kids you could have. All right, like this is not a benevolent form of communism if such a thing even exists. This is a particularly awful brand, and you're out here going, yay, look at how smart they are. Maybe we could be that lucky. Like, you wouldn't be the first ones put up against the wall and disappeared. Yeah. Like, God help me, people. Read a history book at some point. Maybe two of them. All right. So let's... Sorry. No, you're good. Let's move... uh Real quickly, I want to touch on Project Veritas a little bit here. So, um, obviously, you guys know Project Veritas is uh, kind of like a whistleblower site uh, where, or among other things, but that's one of the, the services that they provide. And they've had a couple local reporters recently, um, Ivor Hecker, uh, Ivory Hecker and April Moss, um, both basically disclosed that they were sitting down with Project Veritas while giving live reports uh, uh, maybe you saw that the second one just came out yesterday, I think. Um, she's a meteorologist, actually. And basically right in the middle of her thing, basically, uh, her, her uh, live broadcast basically said, I'm sitting down with Project Veritas this week to kind of talk about suppression of my coworkers. So we have these local reporters who, um, in the case of Ivory Hecker, uh, basically wanted to run stories about hydro- hy- uh, hydroxychloroquine and Bitcoin were two examples that she gave where her bosses basically said, no, we're not running those stories um, for varying reasons, but it still seems like a, if a reporter has a story that they have, uh, uh, they deem to be newsworthy, and I think both of those subjects are very newsworthy. Time out. Go You're ahead. telling me that if there was a cheap generic medication that could have drastically reduced the death rate of COVID-19 and it was being used widely in multiple countries and seeing very good results... That people might want to know about that? Yeah, we should have talked about it. That's in the public interest? Yeah. Well, Stop. I mean, call me crazy. You know what? You're dangerous. I know. Thank well, God we have these news organizations to tell us what is and is not fit for us to read. Yeah. And Thank like you. I said, the same thing with Bitcoin. I think they made some kind of racial reasoning behind the Bitcoin. They're like, you know, some X percentage of their audience was African-American, so they didn't want to run Bitcoin. I was like, isn't that just basically a racist take? <laughs> we so. live in the dumbest time imaginable. Yeah. And I we- mean, it's it's glorif- it's It's... More than interesting, let's just say that, if you want to pay attention. Oh, my God. This is the dumbest time in human history. Bitcoin is racist? Like, what? Holy goodness. And the idea, like, uh, hydroxychloroquine, we talked about this a lot last week and kind of laid out the case of, look, this is overwhelming evidence to show 
pretty significant benefit and not much risk. And, you know, you always hear, well, if it was that good, it would hear about it from the media. And now you have two reporters that are coming out and saying, no, I tried. And they said, no, I was, I was absolutely told I cannot talk about this. So now, and what's happening to them? They're going to get laughed at because it's Project Veritas and they're going to be besmirched and discredited and all their dirty laundry will come out. And then you wonder why more people don't come out and point out the complete absurdity of our current media, uh, corporate media machine that we have right now. You can't figure that out, like why people aren't coming forward? Of course it is, because they're going to lose their job, they're going to be totally discredited, and they're going to be basically up to the whims of the public to support them moving forward. They'll open up a uh, Patreon or whatever, and they'll start their own YouTube channel that they'll eventually get kicked off of for talking about ivermectin, and you can't figure out why this problem isn't being discussed. Well, hopefully... You know, these are only two local reporters, but hopefully this will kind of, you know, ring home for a bunch of other reporters and more and more of this come out. And then then it becomes a story itself. And, you know, some of these executives who are pulling the strings behind the scenes, especially if they're if they're pulling strings at the, you know, some of these local affiliates like uh, Ivory Hecker was a Fox affiliate. Right. But so they have their 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 local corporate uh, leadership that kind of dictates some things. But if they're getting direction from even the the national corporation then we have a bigger problem because now you're really you're really yeah right it's a coordinated disinformation act or uh uh, effort and the only way to get that out is if there's going to be whistleblowers of this type where people are going to say hey i tried to talk about this and they wouldn't let me and here's my story anyway so i want to pay attention to this only because this is only the first two and then maybe this will kind of uh you know fall along the lines not that we actually got the results that we wanted to but uh right here in new york we had you know one person comes out with an accusation against cuomo and then another one another one it comes easier and easier to do that as you see the first couple people do it so maybe we'll see a uh a domino effect here and we'll get some additional local reporters who are willing and brave enough to kind of go against you're guaranteed going to lose your job so you're clearly making this uh, decision ahead of time um which ivory hecker got let go the next day, I believe. So, I mean, not, I can't believe she was uh, not expecting that. And I assuming everybody who comes forward will be expecting that. That being said, you know, leave, leave those places. Clearly, if they're not allowing for the information to be out, they're not worth working for. So go find an outlet that is start your own outlet. There's, there's plenty of independent places here that as Ben just pointed out that you can kind of find a niche, um, and get that story out. So hopefully this is just the beginning of this, but I found uh, the second one came out yesterday. So uh, maybe we have a little bit of momentum with some local reporters. That would be nice. I mean, I don't understand. I We talked last time about how my, my faith in science, the institution of science has been very shaken. Journalism is another one that it's been very shaken of late of like, I get you got a job and I get you've got family and you've got bills and you like your career. And, and, you know, if you cover sports, this isn't your area. If you're like the restaurant guy, this isn't your area. But at some point, we have an entire industry of people who we hold up to this firefighters running to a fire as, as them running to a story who, by and large, and I'm going to guess 90% plus, are just completely uninterested in, in digging into this. And so I, I'm guessing they're uninterested but I'm also think they're uninformed enough to actually make, you know, understand what's going on. it's their job to be informed. Sure. Like, these are the people that are supposed to be disseminating the information of public value. And but, and, but marrying the two is science and the reporters, right? So most reporters do not have any kind of science background whatsoever. What's our but science there background? Should be none. But there should be. <laughs> there should be a built-in 
component to some of these things where you're going to get additional information and you know, maybe the information they're getting is just a biased information from the government or the one side. And that's what we're dealing with. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I, I, if only there was a way, you know, that they could go and talk to scientists with a differing opinion and they could do, maybe they could call it an interview where they could learn about the science that we're discussing here and then go and report the facts of there are also leading experts saying this, and I could then use my discernment to go through these information and and then maybe draw conclusions what what an odd concept that would be i know and it You're sounds way too much man. sounds radical but the fact that they don't even want to go look the fact that they don't even want to dig like i thought that was what reporters did i so, thought you wanted this unquenching thirst for the truth that you had to go and dig it up and dig it up and dig it up and it's just not the case not even a little yeah, now like I said, if they're if they are trying to dig that up and they're being threatened by their job and whatnot and they're not, you know, they don't think that fight is worth it, I kinda get it, I guess, Agreed. to some degree. Um I'm not sure that that's happening, but you know, maybe it is happening and that's what we're seeing out of these local reporters here, that there is some kind of suppression going on, um, even at the local level, which seemingly, you know, you would think that the local reporters haven't got into the the massive forces of the government, right? Maybe they got some local governments and the state, even some state governments, but it seems like these local reporters aren't necessarily getting the pushback from the federal government or these national institutions. They're getting it even from their own local bosses, which is seemingly crazy. I'm, maybe they're, maybe the bosses are getting pressure from, from the, the powers that be, but um, it's a problem that we don't have this information being discussed. And that kind of leads us into our next thing here, because this whole, the, the lab leak origins, you know, the origins of, of the virus, the, the treatments of, of hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin to this minute right now are still being suppressed and put are, are being blocked on social media. Uh, accounts are being deleted. Discussions are being deleted from some, as you point out, some of the leading experts in the fields of, of medicine and, and, and treatments of health. Like Dr. Peter Corey has basically written most of the current COVID treatment protocols. And when he tries to add something to his protocol, the treatment of ivermectin, he is basically dismissed as a crack so or a crank. And clearly he's not. He's written the majority of the COVID protocols already to date. So um, this is just a bunch of kind of piggybacking on that Project Veritas story, a bunch of disinformation coming out, including the lab leak origins and the treatments of ivermectin and, and, and hydroxychloroquine. And they're all being suppressed by the same people, right? So the, the, the same people who don't want you to know whether or not the the, the origins uh, of the virus came from a lab in Wuhan are the same people who don't want you to know that there's a cheap, inexpensive, readily available uh, treatment that you could take for the virus and prophylactically in ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. All these stories are being suppressed. You know, for, for, for just a little bit of background, I have sent some of these stories to local reporters here and nobody's done anything. So whether or not they're being you know, just dismissing me or being, or, or being not uninterested in the story or don't understand the, the ramifications of the story or they're being suppressed themselves. I don't know, but there is no coverage of any of this stuff other than we got a, a, a bit. I don't watch the Stephen Colbert show, but I did get to see that John Stewart went on uh, Stephen Colbert and basically said he, his, his phrase was something like, I want to thank science da, 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 whatever, you know, for, for kind of helping us through this, uh, get, get, 
uh, get over this uh, virus that was actually caused by science, right? So he's basically outing the lab leak uh, theory on national television. Colbert did not seem to want to have any part of it either. Like he seemed to kind of be cutting that discussion short, kind of talk over Stewart. Um, so much so that John Stewart eventually abandoned the desk chair uh, part of the interview, stood up and walked to the camera and basically finished his monologue in one-on-one to the camera. So I'm not sure if this is a, we're going to need more of things like that from people who, you know, John Stewart's in a position where he probably doesn't care what anybody thinks about him at this point. He's, you know, he's, he's, made he's, his done, he's done his thing and he, everybody kind of has their own personal respect for, for that dude one way or the other. And he is what he is. And he came out and basically said it. So I, do I think maybe he, again, maybe he is the first person, I mean, not the very first person, but somebody of his stature who came out and said that on national television, um, Maybe this is the way that some of these uh, uh, discussions get get forced into the narrative because right now they're clearly being suppressed by the powers that don't want you to talk about them. Yeah, and Colbert's reaction was great. Of uh, he was so taken aback when John Stewart said that, and and he said, "Well, I, you know, I don't know, but if you have data, I would love to see it." Like that's the biggest cop out ever. But it's been a year, and it, there's been evidence all over the place. If you had any interest in finding the evidence, you would have found it by now. But the problem is, you don't. You don't want to know. You don't want to know the truth. You just want to maintain this ignorant moral superiority about dismissing everybody else and then claiming that it's going to spew anti Asian hate. No, it's not. Holy crap, if it came out of a lab leak in China, we need to know that. And there's reality. I'm not telling you it definitely did. I think it definitely did. I, but go ahead. Looking at the evidence, I'm going to say it is the most likely explanation. So let's go with Occam's razor. Like the simplest and most obvious explanation is going to be right more often than not. And it's overwhelmingly so. And if you look at the data, everything combined of like... Oh, I don't know, the fact that it was a coronavirus and there was a coronavirus lab that was testing gain of function in the exact place where it came from. And the nearest bats that are not in that lab in the Wuhan province, those bats are in caves uh, what are they, 600 miles I think away. you said 800 one time. 1,600. Uh, it, it is 800. It's 1,400 kilometers, so okay. it's 800 miles. Like, again, guys, it's like a... a we have a virology lab in Syracuse, New York, and a virus breaks out in Syracuse, New York, and we say it was based on bats that live in Savannah, Georgia. Nobody would buy that. And the fact that the, the virus, I know, and then the counterargument is these viruses mutate all the time and they evolve, and you're being ridiculous. Right, but it just so happened to evolve into the form that is most commonly used when manipulating a virus and a form that has never been evolved Naturally, it's only ever been when humans did it. And it, this one just so happened to evolve in that exact pattern. Yeah, it, it basically mutated into a perfect pathogen for humans, right? right. So, like, that was the thing. Like, all these viruses usually take time to develop ways to attack new cells, and it takes from, from species to species, it figures it out. And it takes a little bit of time. Not this one. This one came right out of the lab and right into attack, right, you know, be able to attack the, 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 Human ACE receptor, I think it is in the uh, in the in the tissue there. So uh, it's crazy. Yeah, and it, this is the thing about this is what I mean when we live in the dumbest time possible. Of like, people would rather live in the ignorance of like, uh, guys, Asian hate is on the rise and it's violence, and this could perpetuate that. I'm not even disagreeing with you. I I, I would want to see way more data because I think you're crazy if you think that's the direct link. But okay, fine. Either way, you still need to know the truth. And here's my I guess here's my disclaimer. 
don't hate Asians. Don't 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 go beat up Asian people or anybody for that matter. Like that's that's idiotic. Did you know that ivermectin was discovered by an Asian? I did on Japanese soil. Yeah, in Japan. Can we just offset? Can we just like cancel each other out? We just get ivermectin uh, into the news. We can cancel all that Asian hate. I mean, look, if 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 people actually believed that the virus was the cause of this Asian hate, then we have a out if you wanted to with right a- Asian. They got cure. the cures. Like, guys, what what in the world are we doing? Like, uh, even if something is uncomfortable, if it's the truth, you still need it because if you live in this world of ignorance and fraud, it's not going to go well. So, yes, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, the Communist Party of China is full of very bad people, and they are likely responsible for this. And the United States of America, the NIH, probably funded it. Happened. It was our money. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to get into that. I'm going to... I sent you some stuff today that I want to kind of follow up on. So hopefully we have a bigger story about the whole things that we can connect this story and our next story together. I mean, it's so it's just there and we just don't want to know the Let's, truth and we want to live in this world of ignorance where we're like, no, we're the good guys and we would never do that. And Anthony Fauci's a saint and everybody's so mean. Like, let's no, ta- let's talk to let's talk about a gentleman who was very interested in science, uh, disturbingly so, actually. Jeffrey Epstein is uh, in the news. Uh, several articles about him uh, this week. Um, first of all, there's a new docu-series on the Peacock app, which I'm guessing is NBC, so take that with a grain of salt. But apparently there's going to be a uh, an expose on Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, starts uh, the 24th, I believe. I don't have that app, so I'll have to kind of find that someplace else. Um, in that docu-series, they basically make the assertion that Jeffrey Epstein was a government informant and may have been anointed that government, I don't believe this, but anointed this government informant during the Alex Acosta uh, plea deal and that he was going to give evidence and that's why he became, uh, that's why he got the plea deal and he became a government informant. I'm not buying that at all because I feel like he's, <laughs> this shit was going down way before uh, 2008 or whenever that was. So um, I, that's going on. We also have the uh, Jean-Luc Brunel trial, which is going on, I believe, in France. And uh, Virginia Joffrey uh, testified in that case. Uh, if you may know, he was uh, uh, Jean-Luc Brunel um, was a one of the premier modeling agencies or ran one of the premier modeling agencies and basically recruited girls to the Epstein uh, orbit and uh, has now basically uh, uh, being tried for those crimes. Um, I, again, I... I came across some stuff today that had some overlap with uh, Ghislaine Maxwell and some of these scientists uh, included uh, some of this uh, NIH stuff. So I'm going to try to follow up on that a little bit. Um, but to our boys Epstein, just, you know, I, you know, article after article, I'm glad that there are uh, uh, at least more mainstream news services at least touching on the subject. Um, even Tucker Carlson, I believe, has a segment a couple weeks ago where he basically said Lex Wexner was the money behind Jeffrey Epstein, which may have been the first time I ever heard that actually mentioned in, in, in mainstream media. So her trials, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell's trials, not until November now, I think. I, I'd like to think that she makes it to November. Um, but I can't get I can't get enough of the story. I mean, there's there's just so much pieces, so many moving parts. And if there's a if there's a component that actually touches on this COVID thing, it's going to kind of make your make, gonna it's going to make it all make all sense to me at that point. So right now, because it makes no sense to me, this whole thing makes no sense to me. If you're going to inject the fact that it might have been manipulated somehow by some nefarious person like a Jeffrey Epstein, I'd actually find it more believable. It would actually come together and make sense for you. Yeah. Then. 
It would make sense to me if he was involved because nothing makes sense right now. Yeah, I get that. I, I understand that feeling entirely. Um, I, it's just so overwhelming how much we, we're getting wrong and how much like we're getting wrong that there's no reason to get wrong and how much we are pretending like things are, are, are at all just what they're not. Like, masks don't stop transmission of an aerosolized virus. This has been known for decades. It has been. Six feet distance has no effect on an aerosolized virus. It's, we've known this. This is, this is widely known for a very long time. Now it's, you're getting more into it of like kids don't spread COVID with any efficiency. I got the Department of HHS sending out paid ads on Twitter talking about how pregnant women are at a far greater risk of COVID than non-pregnant women. Well, we broke that down on the show, Jesus, was that nine months ago? When the CDC first said it, it was like, yeah, your risk of hospitalization not pregnant is 1.2. And with pregnant, there's like 0.4 or something like that. And being pregnant, it was 0.7. So they call that a 40% increase in risk. Like, I mean, yeah, but that's not, it's not accurate. And you're still putting out this, this paid ad to encourage women to, who are pregnant or might get pregnant to get vaccinated. That, that's crazy talk. Uh, why are you still citing that data? That's nonsense. Well, like I said, this is this is kind of why I feel like having Epstein involved makes it make sense because none of the actual data, when applied with common sense, makes sense. So it it almost seems as though it's being coordinated and being coordinated in a way. Th- almost all the coordination goes in the same direction yep. of you know increased vaccine use. You know the the, the viruses is, suppress is, is common scared, sense, right? And they and they 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 push all the information that would go against that narrative to the side or dismiss it as, as conspiracy. So I, I, I got to talk I, about I, this too, with what we're talking about common sense yeah. stuff. I sent it to you over the week, last week, the times of Israel finished uh, reporting on a study that was done in Israel on the impact of vitamin D in COVID. All right. So you and I discussed this a year ago, eight months ago, sometime in that time. I don't remember anymore, but it was a long time ago. And said, well, there's some studies coming out showing vitamin D might have a really bigger impact than what we are, that we're grasping. And we should all be taking it. And that, that seems to be, that should have been our health and human services first recommendation is everybody start taking vitamin D because there's a link. So COVID patients hospitalized. If, um, if you're vitamin D deficient in Israel, and you had COVID and you got COVID to the point of being hospitalized. So not an asymptomatic case, a severe symptom case. And you were vitamin D deficient. 26% of those people died. 26% of the vitamin D deficient people in Israel who had hospitalization from COVID died. Now the same group hospitalized people with COVID in Israel who had sufficient vitamin D levels. 3% died. Seems like we should uh, use that information. What is the downside of taking vitamin D? The whole uh, world is, is immunosuppressed because vitamin D deficiency is so prevalent, particularly in the northern hemisphere. It's very common. So we have this means where there is no downside to taking vitamin D. None whatsoever. And you're telling me that this is, this is not the only link. This is not the only study to conclude this, and I'm well aware it could just be correlation, and there's other factors that probably play a role. Maybe it's not an eight times greater likelihood of death but what if it's only two times wouldn't that still be something we would want wouldn't that still be better like well i said unless your goal is to 
get as many shots in arms as possible. And then, then what is the, is it just money for big pharma? Is that it? I hope. I have. Like, this is crazy that we're suppressing hydroxychloroquine, vitamin D, and ivermectin. If everybody had taken those three things all along, would we have even had a pandemic? No. Why are the people so much smarter than us not talking about this? Because this seems such a benevolent trade-off of risk and reward. Of, again, last time we were talking about remdesivir is still approved in America by the FDA, even though it has been conclusively shown at every stage of its testing it has no impact on mortality whatsoever. Now, it's low risk profile, too, but it has no impact, never had an impact. Not one study claimed it had an impact on mortality. And yet somehow, vitamin D, there's at least correlation. Hydroxychloroquine, there's at least correlation. Ivermectin, there's at least correlation, and a lot of it, to show that it's going to severely drop the effects of COVID. And it's not even that they're not FDA approved. It's they're not allowed to talk about them. It'll get you taken off. You could call the quack if you point out that there's uh, there's a link between vitamin D and, and COVID outcomes. There's a link. I don't I don't I'm not telling you I fully grasp it or what it is, but there's definitely a link based on every study that's come out. Does that mean automatic causation? No, but what's the risk? People will have too much vitamin D? Probably not. No, it'll, it'll probably just be sufficient levels and it'll make them healthier anyway. What would be the downside of somebody taking hydroxychloroquine prophylactically? Any side effect? No. No, and it seems to really help on a, a drop in the mortality rate. Not a guarantee, but a drop. And then ivermectin, which is definitely the most supported by the research. It's, it's bordering on inarguable. It's bordering on, okay, this is conclusive. Like, it's, the data is so overwhelming. Yeah, Pierre Curry would, Pierre, Dr. Corey would tell you that it is conclusive. Right, it's conclusive. I'm gonna, uh, Listen, he's way smarter than me. There's smarter people than me telling me it's completely inconclusive. My layman understanding of all of it and looking at, at the data and looking at how overwhelming the numbers are is going, boy, it's really hard to argue. This is, that, that this isn't conclusive would take such a turn in the data that we just aren't seeing with any of this. It would have to do a 180. Possible, but unlikely. And we're not even allowed to talk about it. You will get removed from YouTube for talking about it. They are taking people with massive followings who are biologists, who are scientists, who are doctors, and removing them for even discussing ivermectin. And again, what is the negative of ivermectin? None. It's one of the safest drugs, if not the safest drug in the history of mankind. And it's to the point that the FDA is finally going to study this, or not the FDA, I'm sorry, the NIH is finally going to fund a study on the safest drug in the history of humanity. And instead of the six-month turnaround we had on the brand new vaccines that have never been tried in humans before, it's going to take 20 months. You know who's going to beat that? No. This is going to be a little crazy. President, Dute- President Duterte of the Philippines has basically said, I, we need to fast-track ivermectin study. They're, they're there. Uh, he, but he's, th- this is, I, I was not expecting this out of uh, the Philippines guy there. Um, Isn't but he I like the st- guy that literally goes on drug raids with the cops? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So he's, uh, you know, I don't I, know how awesome, but anyway. Uh, yeah, I know. Like from a, from a public I mean, policy standpoint, we're a, on drugs. Yeah, yeah no, that's bad. He was a, the idea that a politician's like, Hand me the rifle. Let's go. If he was a fictional character, it would be awesome. It would be great, yeah. yeah. But he's really ruining people's lives, so it's less awesome. But I found this weird. I I, I didn't read the article that much, but I did see that uh, they were trying to fast-track a study there because uh, I guess the Philippines is having some issues there, and um, it's inexpensive and available. So um, 
It could save lives with with minimal risk. Like what you're saying about the vaccine is actually true of ivermectin. Of it's safe and it's reasonable and it's and it's helping. That what you're every claim you're making about the vaccine that is inaccurate is actually ap- applicable to ivermectin and you couldn't care less. My god, I've said this comment before and I will say it again. Apple would kill for the kind of brand ambassadorship the average American will give to Big Pharma. Holy crap, what have they done to earn this level of blind loyalty and adherence to whatever they come out with? And if you say it's because the government's behind it too, my God, do I have bad news for you about their credibility. And their complete, complete and total disregard and and disinterest in an individual human life. My God, how ignorant of, uh, of an education do we have in this country that people are inclined to place total faith in big pharma and government. It's a sad, sad state of affairs for sure. Why are we not using ivermectin? Somebody tell me. Somebody uh, tell me why it's not even okay to use. Oh my God, why is it like so impossible to even get? This is nuts. I, I'm Sorry. just blaming Jeffrey Epstein. That's literally <laughs> my, my default now. Like this whole thing, the only way it makes sense is if Jeffrey Epstein is... Oh pulling the strings for your boy Bill Gates and all these other people and uh, somehow this is a thing. So then it makes sense to me because it beco- it becomes a complete, obviously it was a sham. It seems like a sham now and I just need the cause of the sham. I just want to know why and I don't think we're ever actually going to know we're why, by the way. Know. But I just want to understand, like, is this really just a money grab? And it might be. but I mean, there's definitely a money grab component. For sure. Does I it mean, feel more like more to you? Yeah. It does to me too and I can't shake that feeling. Yeah. Especially early on, right? Because the money grab doesn't happen until everybody is scared of the virus, right? Because there is no yeah. money grab unless everybody needs the needs or and wants the vaccine. So, yeah, there was this initial, you know, I I, I feel like there was a lot of unsuccessful pushes to get the, the vaccine. Like some of these, you know, we talked about the lottery and the free goods there. But I don't think that was a major driver of the vaccine because the numbers didn't really go up that much after those. The initial people who got the vaccine were the original people who basically thought it was a good idea, felt scared, or felt like it was the, the moral thing to do, and got it. Everybody else is not really being bought off by the propaganda, um, but I'm assuming that the information for the people who didn't get it is different than the information the people who did, and I don't know where the disconnect is. Um, I don't know. We'll have to get Cole Beasley on the show to find out where I, he... I'll reach out. All right, get him. I'll see what I can do. I mean, obviously, a lot in common. We with can bring Cole him in studio. Yeah, I have an extra mic. He'd be cool. Yeah. I would love to talk to Cole Beasley just because I, I let's think about how fascinating that guy's story is. He's like a five oh. foot eight white dude that somehow has turned into a ten year NFL career. And going back to that real quick, here's why I respect Cole Beasley so much because I get that people have real bills and real responsibilities, and they might not be able to take the risk that comes with taking this position. So it, it is incumbent on people who are in a position that can take the stand to do so. And he basically said, listen, I've already made life-changing money. I've made my money. If I don't make any more in the NFL, I, it's all, my life is already forever changed as a result of my time in the NFL. My family's life is different as a result. I've already made that money. So if I don't make any more, I don't care. This I, I will die on this hill, and he's in a position to do it, and good for him because it would be very, very easy 
to look the other way and just go along and make the money. And the guys who would want to take the stand and are not in a position to because, yeah, you make some money getting in the NFL, but it's not until the end of your first four years that you make the life-changing money. And they might not be in a position to do that. So good on him that he came in and just said, you know what, yeah, it's either going to be somebody in that position or somebody that is young and is new like in journalism that doesn't have the responsibilities, the financial burden that somebody does of like, hey, look, I live in a one-bedroom apartment with no kids and a cat. Like, okay, you have some autonomy and the ability to make that decision too. And the reality is we all have the option. Every one of us has the opportunity or the option to go on record and, and publicly come after all this and seek truth. But it comes with a consequence, and you have to go in with both eyes open. So my head is off to anybody that does that and who has something to lose. And he does. So good on him. Historically speaking, those are the people that look good. The people that are shrilly yelling at him to sit down, shut up. Historically speaking, that, that position doesn't work out well. Yeah. No, awesome. I said, I'm definitely rooting for Cole Beasley. So, all right. Mr. Husung, um, I think we've quite covered quite a bit today. Um, Anything that you would like to leave the audience with before we uh, let them uh, part for a week? Jeffrey Epstein did not become a government official or government informant informant in 2008, folks. Yeah, he was a spy long before that. By and the way. Jeffrey Epstein also didn't kill himself. I mean, obviously. That one's a given. Okay, we talk about maybe next week that report that just came out about how the FBI and the CIA is putting moles in like every criminal organization that ends up committing a major crime. I mean, FBI, the FBI foiled another FBI terror plot? Yes, and yeah. that they keep foiling their own terror plots that their guys are the ones mostly instigating and how that's okay. Because yeah. I'm, I'm looking at that, and I, again, same thing with the, with the president of the Philippines. Like, it's not funny because it's real life, but if you read it like it's a novel, it's hilarious. And I'm trying to... Dis- and it's been going on for a while. Like, so I, there are some reports in there, but this has been going on for decades. The so. guy that shot up the nightclub in Miami, the gay club, his father was a police informant, was an FBI informant for like 16 years. Coincidence. Obviously, coincidence. And the same thing where they had uh, the guy who actually made the bomb for the Boston Marathon bombers. That guy's still free because apparently he was an informant for the FBI too. But he yeah. made the bomb. Yeah, no, there's there's definitely a history of uh, building up patsies and then uh, giving them the materials to get to a point where they might be able to do cause harm and cause harm and then pull the plug on it and make themselves look like heroes. So, um, yeah, maybe, maybe we can touch on that. I'll try to find some articles about that. It's crazy. I'd rather have Cole Beasley on. but Well, you do both. All right, yeah, that's true. I feel like he'd be into that topic, too. Probably. All right. Well, on that note. We're all going to let you go here, guys. If you uh, will do us a favor and uh, like and share this video, also subscribe to our channel, hit the notification bell, and you'll be notified when we get uh, when we go live, uh, post new content uh, pretty much every Monday here at noon Eastern. Um, on that note, Mr. Husung, any words of enlightenment again, or are we uh, good with the Epstein? Uh, Epstein didn't kill himself. Ask more questions. And anything that sounds ridiculous, look more into it, because there's a reason you're being made to think it's ridiculous. Yeah, just at least entertain the other side. I mean, if you don't, if it's not convincing, it's not convincing. But except at least at least have the information available to you, so you know where people are coming from. I think that's important. And just accept that you might be wrong, and that's okay. Like I might be wrong, you might be wrong, we all could be wrong, and that's okay because we don't know everything. We're coming from positions of ignorance and trying to make sense of the information. So just try not to dismiss other points of view out of hand, unless it's the idea that Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. Yeah, that's dismissible. There you go. All right. On that note, we thank you all for tuning in, uh, and we'll see you all again next Monday uh, for the uh, episode Double Nickel of uh, Sports Clicks and Politics. Uh, Until Monday, we'll see you all then.